This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Raslan, today we have two, I'm going to say first timers, but I'm pretty sure one of you has been on before. Um, she is uh, still the, the head honcho, the head of uh, at, at uh, Kakisini. And uh, she also is uh, running an NGO and she does so many things that, that even she couldn't remember what it was that she does. She is Lao Nayuen. How are you doing? Yay! Yes, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. This is fun. You have been on before. I have once, I think. Once. Yeah. And it was terrifying, terrifying. Was it? Because the subject matters that you guys are talking about, sometimes it's like, okay, what is that? Do I have a Google in front of me now? What? Okay, well, it just so happens you have now chosen a topic which has made us terrified. So, and and the other is uh, he had trouble trying to describe what it is that he does, so I'm going to describe it. He is a digital strategy consultant. He is Ong Ka Jin. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, great to have you on. And um, so our three topics this week is, uh, topic number one is, will we remember COVID by looking at the memory of the Black Death? Topic number two is, Akar Jin, how would I describe this? Hyper-objects. Hyper-objects, yeah. Objects that defy the human imagination. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. Okay. And finally, topic number three is, what happens when a woman becomes a stoic? So uh, with topic number one, who knows what's going to happen with COVID? Uh, who knows how long it'll last? Who knows if, if there will be a, a definitive end to COVID? But I always like to look back at history for, for possibilities. So if we look at the Black Death, in the mid-1300s, there was a plague. It was not a virus. It was a bacteria. And it spread throughout pretty much the whole world. And it killed about one-third of humanity, including, for instance, in Java, it's estimated a million people died. And it traveled on trade routes. And it took about eight years in different phases to finally die out. Now, the curious thing for me was that afterwards, when it was all over, there was very little reference to it in art and literature. It's as if it kind of never really happened. And yet, uh, once upon a time, long time ago, there I was standing in, uh, in a street in Sardinia, you know, as one does, the Italian, uh, big Italian island in uh, the Mediterranean. And I was standing with all our uh, luggage, and suddenly this fiesta broke out around me. And people were carrying... Uh, Virgin Mary, not, I mean, not the, obviously not the actual Virgin Mary, uh, in and out of cafes and, and restaurants and shops and they were singing and they were kind of like dancing and then a fight broke out next to me and like knives, flick knives were being flashed. It was terrifying. But what they were doing each year was celebrating the end of the Black Death. So in art and literature, you had this sort of elite level uh, lack of memory. But in the folk memory, you had an annual remembrance, a celebration of the end. Although there, there was no single day when finally it was like, you know, the, the health authorities decided it was clear to go. So I, I'm just curious. I think, I don't know. You, you're in the, the digital realm. Uh, well, both of you, really. And now you're in, you're in the arts. Do you think people are going to remember or just sort of like to forget about it and just move on? I don't think they will remember what, the virus is, you know, or uh, what COVID is, but they will definitely remember the lockdown. I also think it will be remembered better because it affects the artists a lot. The creatives are not doing very much. We are stunned with how much we can't do. 
and we have to be creative about what we are producing, how we are reacting, what do we do at home. Most creatives don't spend that much time at home. They spend a lot of time creating. And this time, with the lockdown, I would imagine it'll be called like the great lockdown or something. And then, you know, they, they have so much time to think about, to reflect on things, to sort of like have that space that we are, we have been uh, detached from for so long. We have been immersed today in so much technology that we haven't had time to have quiet time. And the great lockdown, well, I'm calling it first, uh, is exactly that. You are like, whoa, what's happening? I'm going to write about this. I'm going to like document how I feel about this. I'm going to sing about this. I'm going to, yeah. So yeah, it will be remembered. Yeah. It will be in literature uh, com- as compared to Black Death, for example. It would definitely be in literature. Kajin? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sh- I'm not actually so sure about that. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about the Black Death and what you brought up, Cam, about the folklore persisting much longer than the arts and literature. And then, you know, I'm thinking about how, you know, when we sneeze, we still say bless you. And some historians believe that that's a relic from the Black Death. So sort of like, behavioral changes and superstitions persist, but perhaps not so much like explicit memorialization. And like, sure, we have all this social media, we have blogs, we have like endless hashtags about the pandemic and the lockdown. But I'm wondering whether it'll just be not so much that it isn't there and that, you know, the history gets lost to time, but will we just have an information overload such that it's just buried under, you know, the, the whole long list of hashtags or or maybe even like how, you know, in the 1920s, I mean, the 1910s, the, the sort of like Spanish influenza was followed by the Roaring Twenties where, you know, everybody was, perhaps the Roaring Twenties was even like a cultural pushback against the kind of austerity of the, of the plague period. And after that, you know, everyone conveniently forgot that, yeah, a lot of people died. Yeah, absolutely. But I wonder if there's one area where, where definitely it will live on. I and mean, here we are, the three of us, we're, we're mm. talking on Zoom. We haven't been meeting up three-dimensionally <laughs> for a long time. And and um, we've kind of, I think all of us sort of disappeared into the cyber space. Do you think that we will be okay with not having to physically meet up and to... No. You know, no, no, okay. no, no, no. This physicality thing, thing is, is a must. And I tell you, I, and I, I want to say that I will die just to be physical with someone. I, I, I think, um, I, w- I mean, I would die for, you know, the <laughs> opportunity to have a connection and to still be in physical spaces with other people. I think mm. we do have a huge generation gap now. I mean, a generation of young people, uh, children who are homeschooled, home-based for such a long time that getting them to come out becomes a, a, an issue. And I think that's something that we also need to talk about. Um, how are we helping them reconnect with everything else and have fun outside of their home because they have been stuck for two years now. So what's next for them? How do they rethink their social position and in spaces that is not cyber? Um, and those things for me matter. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think let's just live with COVID already. Um, okay, you heard it here first. Let's just live with it. But uh, Kajin, do you, do you think that, uh, I mean, you you are a digital strategist. You would love for people to operate purely in cyberspace, wouldn't you? Um, well, I, I, well, I think, um, you know, it's, it's the same with sort of like robots taking over jobs and AI, like, you know, everybody's like very afraid that 
everything's going to become virtual and nothing's going to be real. Um, but I think the way I think of it is really that things are going to become more embedded and it's going to become more complementary. Like in the way that we are talking right now, um, we'll just shift a lot of things to, to the virtual realm, but we will still have a lot of physical contact. And perhaps these two things aren't exactly mutually exclusive. Like we will find ways of basically employing virtual technology even when we are physically together now. Yeah, but I, I would point out one thing is that working and talking on Zoom is, is very different from... from yeah, it, it is really different. Yeah. yeah. For, I mean, one big thing is um, talking over people. You, mm -hmm. you The whole... It, it's just such a different way of communicating. It's like one person, yeah. one person, one person. Yeah. And sometimes you're listening to one person. I'm so damn bored of that one person. You can't yeah. just can't do anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you, Cam? Uh, what about me? What do I think it'll be remembered? Well, uh, yeah. Do you think it'll, it'll be remembered? And uh, no, I don't no? think so at all. No, really. I think, I, I think that the moment. I mean, I was I was saying to Kajian earlier. I mean, even now when I go out the house, I forget to take my mask. I mean, I'm, I, I'm already. I was in the UK recently, and they're forgetting it even as it's happening. Uh, they're deliberately in the process of forgetting it. I mean, I think people are just so desperate to, some people more than others, to just put it in the past and just get back to normal. Although, for young, uh, as uh, Nayuan said, for a lot of young people, there, there is no normal. <laughs> you know, forgetting masks is one thing, right? I, I think it's really the experience of what uh, COVID has been for us that's, that's worth remembering. Um, it, it is really uh, such a shock to, mm. to how we are living. That's going to be remembered. Mm. Not so much COVID itself. And I, I really think um, for the lack of sensitivity uh, that, uh, yes, COVID um, has taken a lot of lives, but it's also not as potent or as, you know, as ganas as how Black Death looked like. No, oh, yeah, right? that, was diff that, was, that was a different magnitude of horror. It's a world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, when it does finally happen, the three of us will join up and we'll we'll carry some kind of statue in and out of uh, shops and restaurants and <laughs> sing and dance and uh, we'll start something that'll last hundreds of years. So so uh, we move on though uh, to topic number two, Kajin, hyper objects. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty timely that we're talking about the pandemic and, and whether we can memorialize or remember things because um, recently in, you know, the floods, climate change, the pandemic, you know, pollution. Um, so there's been this uh, kind of buzzword flying around uh, called hyper objects. And really, it's by this guy called Timothy Morton. And really what he's arguing is that you know, there are objects like uh, your mic in front of you, like an orange that you can pick up. And we understand these things. Like humans, we understand these things. And we even understand things that are a bit more abstract, like war and love and peace, right? Um, but take it to another level of extraction. And it's just like our brain fails. We, we just can't, it becomes a failure of the imagination. So, you know, things like, the amount of plastic that's just floating around in the, the oceans. And it's just so accumulative that we can't comprehend the scale of it to the point that we cannot then, because we cannot imagine it, we then cannot solve the solutions. And we and, and then you have all these like climate change deniers who you know refuse to acknowledge anything that they can't comprehend. Um, yeah, that's 
That neatly describes me. I'm not a climate change tonight, but there is, <laughs> but there is so much which I I cannot comprehend. Mm-hmm. When you put it like that, I mean, now you went, you were nodding your head. You 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 know about. Yeah, but this. I wasn't in agreement though, because when mm-hmm. when the word first came out, so hyper object for me was like it, it's like you literally kind of stop in your step and you just went, you you just go like because words do do a lot of stuff for me. When I mm-hmm. hear a word or mm-hmm. or a word, let me reimagine the possibility i get so excited so for example words like assimilation right or assimilate you suddenly have this oh how do people assimilate in culture oh you know your brain gets blown away right because you're imagining how they're going to you know integrate work together how do they you know marry into each other's differences etc cetera, etc cetera. but hyper object uh, what what is it fourth dimensional something because right, you know right. line is you know, flat. And then if it's 2D, then it's like a square thing. If it's 3D, then it's like a cube thing. So if it's a hyper thing, then you can imagine it's fourth dimensional something. So mm-hmm. hypercube, for example. So mm-hmm. a hyper object. So I would imagine it's an object that is fourth dimensional Are we talking about stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And then no, we're talking about global warming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, if I have to name global warming just to get, you know, some change in your behavior i'll call it i don't know a uh, hyper impact how about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know that, that then i understand why we need a new word for it uh, because mm-hmm. hyper object for me did not was not it's like another another thing i need to think about it's mm-hmm. not exactly an object so global warming is not an object but you're calling it a hyper object so what are you saying you know so there's a lot of confusion uh, so you, and then I just forget it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I mean, I, I think we live. Well, I guess it, it was ever thus. I, I'm talking to you through a computer. There is absolutely nothing about this computer that I can begin to comprehend, apart from the on-off mm-hmm. button. And even then, it's like, mm-hmm. it's just Harry Potter magic that it comes on. Um, I, I don't understand how a car works, television. Yeah. I understood, I think, how a steam train worked, but that was like, yeah. you know, that was when technology left me behind. Uh, I mean, we're just living in a world where we are, we understand that that we understand nothing. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right in the sense that I mean, you know, Facebook or like social media platforms is a great example, right? Like, you know, we understand the interaction of like one person to another person, or even within a group. But when you kind of like expand it to the scale of billions of people on the same platform, then you have all these weird trends and memes and and kind of like fake news that comes out and and not even Facebook or, or the so-called experts can really kind of understand and kind of track and be able to pin like, why is this happening? Like, how is this spreading? And, and it's really like, I guess the hyper is really just to denote the scale of time and space and people that, you know, make something so difficult to pin down. But then also we, um, if we don't understand things, and we ourselves are actually under no obligation to be real ourselves in this cyber space. We can pretend, we can take on any identity. Nothing becomes real. I mean, Nayuena, you've got kids, haven't you? But internet, Nayuena? yes, I do. I have four. So and, internet yeah. is the it's a hyper object, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, uh, so the impact of internet, that's something that nobody is comprehending just about. Yeah, yeah, at all. And yeah. and what is it doing to the young people? That's way worse. Mm. I have a eight year old who speak like a twenty year old, right? And I'm like, <laughs> so how how's she going? What's she gonna say when she's twenty? 
How mm. how is she going to develop? What's the next for her? And I cannot understand. And you cannot stop a child now from from gadgets or computer or laptop or spending hours on them because that's life. That's how life is for them. What do you want them to do? Go outside and play badminton? Yeah, no, but I met a 20-year-old who is, as you say, like a 40-year-old in so many ways, but in the real world is like an eight-year-old. Uh, <laughs> she, she had absolutely no clue. How do, you, how do you put petrol in a car? It took a physical action, which was like beyond her comprehension already. It's like, should I just press a button? And then like, oh, it's, it's, it's renewed. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, you know, there's, there's, it's not real. But you say what, what it's doing to kids, because it's not like they're being changed from one thing to another. This is what they are. Yeah, it's almost like the air they breathe now. Yeah, so this hyper-object thing is just a leftover for, for dinosaurs like ourselves. And like young people will be like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. So exactly. So who is it impacting more of? The old people or the young people, right? Or you, you know how everybody's saying that, oh, global warming is actually um, something that we should fear for the next generation, right? Um, but maybe the next generation will live with it just fine. It's just us worrying about, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, that, that of course, takes this conversation to a completely different level of, oh, then we'll start com- you know, having this conversation about, um, it, is it? It's mm. real, but what is it actually doing? Mm-hmm. Because you, know, you don't comprehend what is it doing to you. You, you, may not com- you can have an idea what it's doing to the world, maybe. It's melting the world, but how does it melt Earth? Right? Mm-hmm. So can- so what am I doing to stop that? Yeah, well, now you and I'd say the, the the few young people I've met, I mean, they're possessed by a, a sense of paranoia about the future that mm. is alarming. And I mean, I certainly never had that. And it's got a fatalism and anger. And so they should be. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to blame them. Um, you know, we've had. I was pandemic. an angry young person. Weren't you an angry young person? Come on. Cam. Yeah, no, but I wasn't. I'm sure I, you were angry. No, when absolutely. You were younger. I know, but absolutely. But the ground upon which I stood, I assumed would remain, mm. and so therefore I could talk about politics and art, etc. But right. if you if you think that the very ground you're standing on, the air you breathe, will yeah. no longer exist in a short space of time, that's a totally different realm. Yeah. But you, you've seen movies about this sort of stuff, right? You kind of stay in your little cube thing, that like, whatever. <laughs> and then, you know, your avatar is going to leave your life for you. And then, you know, and uh, you, you, the avatar will bring home your food for you, whatever you need. So, and they're okay with that. Okay. So, so now you is a hyper object denier. And <laughs> <laughs> so, but Kajin, let's, 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 let's leave it with you then. So you, you raised the topic. I, are you in agreement with the, with this buzzword? Do you think that it describes where we are? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the problem is like even with the pandemic, like I think so many people are in denial about the virus, about vaccines, and then there's so much confusion over boosters and variants and all that. And I think probably you've noticed that one sort of like one thing, one component, one gear in the cog in the gear, so to speak, stops to make sense. They kind of lean towards just denying the whole thing like and pretending the whole thing is a conspiracy right so it's almost like we need to understand the whole in order to say oh yeah yeah this makes sense and i'll follow directions so it's almost like a failure of our language or even like global warming right like like part of the huge problem that climate change um communication specialists have been trying to change is they've been like okay let's stop calling it global warming because some people are like, oh my God, if it's called global warming, why are winters getting colder and colder? And then they're like, oh, this thing must be fake then. 
So it's like, I, I guess it goes back to what Nguyen brought up, which is like the power of language as well, right? But in this case, perhaps it's also a failure of language. Of language. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, uh, well, uh, you, well, you come to a uh, bit of culture to, uh, to learn the, the truth on these things. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but in a moment, we're going to find out something um, which I have to say has never crossed my mind, but I, I'm really keen to find out, which is uh, what happens when a woman becomes a Stoic here on A Bit of Culture on BFM 89.9. And we're back with myself, Cam Rusland, Onkar Jin, and, uh, well, now you end, you, um, okay, what happens when a woman becomes a Stoic? No, so I think the first question needs to be, what happens when you hear that? Um, what happened? Karjin, what do you think when I, you, when I, you, when I, you I was that? like, What's running through your mind? I was like, oh, a Stoic in the first place, and the second part is like, why specifically a woman? Okay, so Stoic. What comes to your mind when I say Stoic? Uh, is it Emperor Aurelius? Wasn't he the... Uh, uh, was Stoic? Yeah, like yes. Ma- Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus like Aurelius. All, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stoic is... Well, how, do, how do we condense, condense Stoic? Stoic is... Uh, Stoicism is when you are, I don't know, brave and quiet in the face of adversities. Yeah. And you just Emotionally live with it. resilient. Yeah. Yeah. And so is that... Is that something that's attainable for you? Is it something that you want? Is it something that you know you never think about? Or yeah, what what is it to you? I'm so beaten down, it's all I've got left. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. What about you, Kajin? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I've always considered um stoicism to be almost indifferent to kind of like human pleasures of life. You know, I almost see that's like opposed in some way to kind of like hedonism not that i'm a hedonist but i i, I like to enjoy life yeah that's kind of, uh, in opposition or in conflict with being a stoic um i, I yeah i suppose so in some ways the, the, i think there's a when when i think about stoicism there's a sort of like indifference to some of these things not not to say that they're against it yeah, because uh, usually the the opposite of stoicism is said to be hedonism but and, and i'm not saying now you end that you you are that but I mean, I know, I know you, and and you're anything but stoical. You're you're quite a firecracker. You, yeah. So, so have you become a stoic? Not yet. So, the the question then next needs to be right. <laughs> Did you hear the word yet? Right. Um. So the question then <laughs> needs to be, um, why then are you more surprised because the woman uh, woman is in the same sentence as stoic? Why, Kajin? <laughs> why? Oh boy. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, to me, is is more like, it. well, you know, I've always thought of Stoics as people kind of like, oh, let's uh, detach and it's all about virtue and, and I'm going to be indifferent to life and kind of like meditate in a cave like Zeno. And, you know, I mean, like the gender norms and the gender based dictations are such that um, usually women are much, uh, it's difficult for women to detach themselves from all the responsibility and all that that society throws on them right yeah and i on my part i would say that i'm i'm glad that you raised it because i I'd, I'd never thought of stoicism as being exclusively male but or 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 vice versa but um i guess yeah it's it's different experiences isn't it so i i think i it is an unfortunate um i brought this up once in at a at a family dinner conversation 
And then immediately, you know, the response was, but aren't you already in, if you're going on this, this line of conversation, aren't you already in a conceding position? You're already going to stand for something and then you deny it. Uh, and I'm like, I understand where that's going, but it's also just, you know, like a, like a, like a statement of sort to just kind of talk about how, um, how far we are from achieving equity, how far we are from achieving, you know, uh, from taking away biasness from from different people, and I I just want to say in the days of Aurelius the Emperor, uh, he he when he does all his philosophy thinking whatever the pictures like they tell you a lot of stuff right, and he is only in the company of men, and apparently if you read some more it's like it's in a basement somewhere where only men can go in, women are not allowed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, you got you got to have a beard to enter the stoic club. <laughs> I, I I think that's how it's drawn, right? You can't. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, yeah, exactly. Like. So, and 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 therefore, then the and and then um therefore philosophy then therefore does not apply to women or women can't be part of philosophy or how does it work? So, if we do a quick search on stoic women, for example. Um, or women who who practice that, and they're usually wives of someone, uh, daughter of someone who are already stoic themselves, and therefore it just kind of land, you know, uh, that to oh, you're a daughter, you're a wife, okay, yeah, oh, okay, sure. So and and there are no um, real women stoic. If you search like search today, there are men stoic, but there are no women stoic. And so the question then therefore is: Are women afraid of this? Stoicism, or are men still not accepting, or just no? You can't be a part of this conversation. No, you you shouldn't be stoic. So these are then the questions. Mm. But Ngayiran, my my question is, why do you want to be a stoic in the first place? I didn't say I want to. Okay, the truth of the matter is this, right? So um, you know how I I I go for all kinds of strange meetings. Okay. Okay. Uh, government right. meetings, you know. I, I right. <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay, come on. Uh, um, like government meetings, and I facilitate uh, things to happen, right? At the community level, for example, I champion different things, and I bring it up to the government. I say, "Hey, we can look at this problem and solve it like this," for example. And um, in those meetings, sometimes you can let emotion get the better of you. You can. You can. And for the longest time, I was just Googling how to put on a poker face, how to make sure that your face don't change, your expression don't change, or how when people say the darnest thing, you don't drop your jaw and go, no, salah, tak boleh. You, you don't, you, you, you just have to maintain. In the corporate world, it's the same, right? You enter a meeting and you think you have allies and then your allies turn against you faster than you can say hello and your face change, and you think maybe there is something that you need to learn. And so Stoicism came to me in a very strange way. Uh, actually, it was from a child. I was just talking to them about keeping a poker face, and, and then she just went, oh, you mean Stoicism? You should look that up. Wow. And I'm like, How old is this kid? <laughs> oh, you, you'll be... If they can sing 80s songs now because of TikTok, you can imagine the kind of exposure they have, okay? And I started it, and I'm like, Whoa, this teaches you how to keep your poker face, not just to have it. Because it's really how you use the philosophy that you, you know, you're reading or you're chancing by, right? So one of it for me is, is one of the ways is that, you know, um, to control your emotion 
and to, I mean, this is not the only thing stoicism is teaching, but I'm only picking up what I need, right? So to control your emotion, you need to expect the worst from everyone. What is the worst thing everyone could be and could say? Imagine that and then go in and you won't be surprised and therefore your face will not change. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what you're describing there is a recipe for how to get a stomach ulcer. <laughs> uh, you know, just sitting there churning like, this person is such a moron, but i got to keep a straight face. But actually, I, I don't <laughs> really think they're morons, right? So now, I, when I sit in meetings like this, I will be thinking, mm, okay, <clears throat> this is how 90% of the world's going to see the same problem. How can I make a shift for them to see just a little bit more so that they can begin to think how we are seeing the world. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, really, yeah. literally. Instead of being angry, I'm like, okay, how, how can I do a little shift? How do I make this little change now, now to just let him see differently? Let, let me just experience it differently. So so that's that's really, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say that a, a true Stoic probably doesn't find themselves in a corporate meeting. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they're yeah. probably on a mountainside mm, and yep. living on a on a, a berry a day. Um, you know, he's the emperor. I don't think he does that. I well, think okay. he attends more corporate meeting than you imagine. Well, okay, he was he was no, a high true. he was a he was a high end Louis Vuitton version. But I mean, there. <laughs> <laughs> but but he was advocating for people to be kind of more, more downgraded. Uh, Karjina, are you convinced by um, by Nayuen's, uh philosophy? It's a philosophy, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean. Um... I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty grim view to, to kind of uh, come into everything expecting the worst. Um, but that being said, I the next time I have to deal with government bureaucracy, I will read Marcus Aurelius beforehand and see if that helps me. Yes, you must. I must say, Kajin, you know, digital uh, transformation is one of the space or the area where you can actually expect the most amount of not just conflict, but also, you know, uh, defensiveness. And also, yeah. I don't think you're right. You don't understand how we've, we've done that before. It didn't work. No, it won't work again. So you actually walk into a space where everyone is already absolutely, I'm not going to listen to you, you know? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, do you, do you with this philosophy of yours, Nayon, do you take part in um, uh, internet arguments? No. Yeah. It's too difficult to type. It's it's ground zero with with Nayuan stoicism, isn't it? It's like you just don't do that because it's just not going to end well. Yeah, but actually, I have some privileged information here. I have been in meetings with Nayuan, and um, and I I mean, people will be saying things, and I'd be like, '80s reference here." Wanted to pick up a phone book and bash them over the head, and um, and Nayuan's going, "Hmm, that's a really interesting perspective." It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to say, hats off to to, to that. So, um, yeah. Well, okay. Well, all right. I'm convinced. Uh, I am easily convinced. So uh, that's uh, stoicism there from Nayuen. And uh, by the way, you've just let your tricks out of the bag here. I'm fine with it. I, I really think everyone should do what I'm doing, to be really okay. honest. And then so meetings will be maybe more pleasurable. So we can finally be a bit more hedonistic. Hopefully. All right. Well, mm, Nayuen. That's an interesting perspective. So we must move on. And uh, we come to the final part of the show, recommendations, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest, and I go first. So my recommendation is, in keeping with um, the, the topic that I was talking about, The Black Death, is it's a book about an earlier, the first great plague, 
which is known as the Justinian's Plague, and it uh, took place, uh, gosh, when was it? In uh, 542 AD. And there's a wonderful book, one of the best books I've ever read, actually, called Justinian's Flea, The First Great Plague and the End of the Roman Empire. Uh, It also talks about the rise of Islam as well, which came kind of on the back of that. And uh, it's by a man named William Rosen. It was so good, actually, that I wrote him some fan mail, which I rarely do. And... uh, and it's just, it's a really wonderful chronicle of this um, this plague, but also um, looking at the impacts, political, social, as a consequence of it, that you don't normally sort of associate. It's not just the gore of uh, people dying in the streets, but like, you know, what really happened afterward. So that's Justinian's Flea by William Rosen. Great book. And... Uh, uh, now you're nodding her head. She's going to go out and order it on Amazon immediately. You should. Yeah, I, I want to see it. I want to definitely have a look at what book. that is. Yeah, I would just give recommendations. That mean it has to be books or something. No, it can watch. be whatever, whatever. I mean, you know, uh, you know, aspects of stoicism. But you, you're, it's not your turn yet. So uh, be stoical <laughs> for a moment longer, okay? Uh, Kajin. Yeah, um, I I'm going to recommend a book called Storming the Wall. Um, climate change, migration, and homeland security. So that's Storming the Wall, Climate Change, Migration, and Homeland Security by Todd Miller. Um, so because I, I think like, yeah, you know, this is all this talk of climate change and one degree Celsius or whatever can become very abstracted in our heads. So I think this is a wonderful book. Okay, actually not wonderful, but terrible book talking about terrible things happening that actually has been displacing and really causing so many deaths of and, and climate refugees. Um, there are going to be more climate refugees um, than war refugees in the next 10 years. And I think that really brings it down to earth into like real people. You're going to be able to see them um, come to borders. And I think the next kind of like EU migration crisis is probably going to be due to climate change. So I think that's, that's going to be a prescient book to read for the next 10 years. Mm. I mean, you're terrifying me so much. I want to press my hyper object button now. <laughs> Is that how it works? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, with, you know, with hyper objects, it's just, it's just so abstract that people just can't, um, I think at the end of the day, humans really need to have a face in front of them. Right, like we go back to the idea of physicality, the idea of what we can understand. Uh, we just want to be able to so like see faces and and you know, um, you know, we we may not understand like you know for for I mean, for decades we've we've been advertising and trying to advocate on behalf of like famine in Africa by you know showing like say you know a poor African kid or you know the sort of war in Afghanistan by like that famous portrait of. Uh, an Afghan woman, woman, right? And I guess, you know, this is sort of like one way of trying to understand it. And I think it's, it is terrifying, no doubt, but I think it's terrifying on a human scale rather than a quote-unquote hyper-object scale. And at least we can deal with that. Yeah. Well, my fear is that that face that we need is going to have to be a Kardashian. <laughs> uh, at least a Chloe. Is there a Chloe? Or is it a Zoe? Yes, there is a Chloe. There is a Chloe, there yeah. Is a Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to have at least a Chloe. Can't go yeah. any lower than a Chloe. Yeah. Um, and if we're, if we're very lucky and pure in heart and spirit, we might get a Kim. Um, so, uh, no, I'm no. trying to under, I'm trying to think, Cam, uh-huh. what, what you've just said. No, because if you need a human a face. Kardashian. Kardashians. 
Yeah, and then you know, woman. Oh. And then you know no. whether what? that's you know. What? No, I mean, what? Who are? What are the most famous creatures on Earth, but male wait, or female? Are you saying it in a way like "whoa, respect gila," or are you saying it like? Look at what they're doing. Only a woman can do that. And no, we're not jealous of that. No, let the woman do it. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep my trap shut. <laughs> so, uh, so that's uh, so the name of the book again, Kajin? Oh, uh, the name of the book is, um, wait, sorry, I had it. Um, it was your recommendation. Yeah, it's it's that called, good, uh, it? yeah, no, it's but I really, really think hyper object this word. I'm just canceling it. Sorry, sorry, Kajian. I'm for me. I, it's cancel for me because yeah. what does it do? It has no connotation of you know what is it negative? Is it positive? It doesn't do anything more to climate change. No, it I, does nothing. It doesn't bring it to another level. No, nothing. But it's not. It's not a judgmental word. It's merely a description, mm-hmm. like you know, steam train. Why? No, yeah. but steam Why? train doesn't. We steam train so isn't a good thing words. or a bad thing. Mm. Okay. Anyway, all right. The 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 book was storming the wall by Todd Miller. Okay, you you just saved hyperobjects for mankind there. Uh, (laughs) Na Yuan, what's what is your recommendation? I want to recommend you to do one thing. So if you ever hear someone uh, telling you not to take the booster jab or the jab, whichever or anti-vaxxer, whether they agree with the term for themselves or not that's a separate matter you really need to find out um you really do need to find out the facts for yourself uh, i really think um for all the denials or deniers it is not just about taking the credit away from what science is um but they they really need to prove uh, with real science and not pseudo stuff um so please get yourself that much more informed uh, and not just do a sweeping statement and say, oh, I'm confused. Or oh, there's too much information. Nobody knows what they're talking about. You, that you go out and get the information yourself. And today is a lot more easy than before. So we owe it to ourselves to, to minimally do that. Mm. Yeah. But if you have a fundamental distrust of scientists, mm-hmm. and so, you know, and, and then if you... Why do you have a fundamental distrust of scientists? If one does... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. But if one does, then then anything that comes from a scientist is already suspect. Yeah. Then it's just not going to, you know, your research is going to be like, well, that's, they're obviously lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you should. Well, then aside from just saying he's obviously lying, can you then prove that what you believe in is obviously wrong? You okay. need to prove what you believe in instead of proving what other people are maybe not correct. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But there, yeah, there's always the 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 breaking down of the uh, the object, but never actually uh, proposing a um, solution. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you do it? Right. Yes. Exactly. Oh. So I think you owe it to yourself to to just do it right. Ah. Yet another piece of philosophical advice. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this week's show. And so only remains me now to thank special guest, first-timer, Onkar Jin. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Cam. And wonderful to meet you, Nayeon. Yay! And uh, and also, yes, uh, Lao Nayeon. And I I guess I'm getting, getting used to sort of seeing people in this sort of 2D thing. I'm trying to remember the last time we actually met in, in person. Oh, a long, long time ago. Long, and long I wonder, time. And I wonder when... 
the next round will be. Yeah, it's it? just really peculiar. We might be like, you know, 20 You know, the lights that's emanating from the back of your background, those lights, yeah. are those, is that sun or what is it? That's my that's personal sun? aura. Um, <laughs> I wish, yeah, I, I do. Why thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for pointing yeah, that out. M I is wish a hyper object. Yeah, I wish people on radio were able to actually appreciate my personal aura. But radio doesn't put it over. So thank you so much for pointing that out. Finally, they'll understand. So uh, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And so, uh, well, thank you, guys. And also thank you, listeners. And please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.